everyone. It's Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. Congress is going to continue its impeachment inquiry today, but not with witnesses to the alleged missteps of President Trump. Instead, they're going to hear from four constitutional experts about what impeachable behavior looks like and what it doesn't. They're going to talk about what the founders said about executive power and responsibility, and they'll discuss how the political process bears on impeachment. That will all get started at 10 a.m., and we're going to air it right here on WDET. But first, we also have our own constitutional expert to weigh in on those questions in advance of the hearings. Richard Primus is a constitutional law professor and historian at the University of Michigan. Richard, welcome back to Detroit Today. Happy to be here. Yes. Uh, So last time we talked was just as the House Intelligence Committee was beginning its hearings in this impeachment inquiry. So what have been your big takeaways so far in this process? What have we heard that maybe changed our minds or changed your mind about uh, where we should be thinking about the impeachment inquiry at at this point? I suppose mostly that the president is even more impeachable than we might have thought at the beginning. The hearings over the course of many days produced many hours of testimony demonstrating pretty clearly that the president and people working for the president conditioned things that the Ukrainian president really needed, like a visit to the White House, which would bolster his international standing, and military aid, which his country needs in its war against Russia, on publicly announcing um, investigations designed to make the president's domestic political enemies look bad. That is... um, That is impeachable behavior, both because it's a form of bribery, that is to say it is asking for a favor Mm -hmm. in return for an official act. Congress had already appropriated the military aid. It's supposed to be released to them, and the president wants a personal favor to get it done. And it's a high crime and misdemeanor, which is one of the other things that the Constitution says is impeachable, Mm -hmm. because it is an attempt to corrupt the use of the president's foreign affairs power by using it not in the national interest, but in his private political interest in a way that even compromises our national security interests. The parade of witnesses who testified was really pretty impressive. A lot of people who are longtime civil servants uh, people from the military, people from the diplomatic corps, people from the civil service, people in long-term nonpartisan positions, um, some of whom had been uh, partisan Republicans beforehand, people like Dr. Fiona Hill, for example, um, whose testimony paints the picture pretty clearly. Um, yesterday and Monday, the majority and minority of the House Intelligence Committee released their reports saying how they read the evidence, because not surprisingly, the majority of the committee, which is Democrats, and the minority of the committee, which is Republicans, want to present different versions 
of what we saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reports are hundreds of pages long. And because they've just come out, I have not managed to read all of them carefully yet. But one of the remarkable things about them so far is even the Republican report paints a picture on which the president, through surrogates like Rudy Giuliani, was engaged in activity that really should not have been happening and that is surely got to be impeachable. So so one of the things that I think is really interesting about this process is the shifting narrative that comes from the president's defenders. At first there was there was no quid pro quo. This is not what it looks like. Then there was, well, it's a little maybe what it what it looks like, but that doesn't rise to the level of an impeachable offense. Now it seems that what they're saying is, yes, the, the president did these things, but they're actually okay. And, and I think one of the reasons that that's an effective, um, an effective tactic is this confusion about what impeachment is. What is an impeachable offense? The Constitution says bribery. It says treason, and then it says high crimes and misdemeanors. I, I want to spend a little time with you talking about that definition in the Constitution and how it should be interpreted, because I think a lot of people don't really understand that phrase. Sure. So let's do that. And then I'd like to suggest also another reason why I think the president's defenders are defending in the way they are. Um, High crimes and misdemeanors is the Constitution's umbrella term for things that warrant removing an office holder from office that are not the specific offenses of treason and bribery. Um, At the Constitutional Convention, there was some conversation about what exactly should render an officer impeachable. And treason was a pretty easy call. That is to say, if the office holder is working for an enemy of the United States, not for the United States, you know, that person's got to be out of here. Bribery is also a pretty easy call, right? If the person is working just for himself mm-hmm. and you know, using the power of the government to enrich himself rather than in the public interest, that too, right, that person has got to be out of here. But the founders also had the sense, and wisely, that there would be lots of other reasons that would be reasons why it would not be tolerable for someone to remain in office that might not be captured within the specific offenses of treason and bribery, because there are more than two ways to subvert a constitution. Um, And if you tried to make a list of specific ways in which a constitutional system could be subverted, you would always leave something off. You can't foresee every way in which someone tries to break the machine. So they wrote the phrase high crimes and misdemeanors, right, other high crimes and misdemeanors, to indicate there are also other things for which a person should be impeachable. We're not going to try to write a complete list of what they are. We're going to signal that they should be serious offenses, right, high crimes and misdemeanors, not just uh, petty offenses, not just because we don't impeach people for jaywalking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't even impeach people you know, for like filing their taxes late. Um, we certainly don't impeach people because we have policy disagreements with them. That's what elections are for. But if an officer is doing things 
that are fundamentally contrary to the constitutional system, that there has to be a way to remove that person. That's what high crimes and misdemeanors means. It has been used in the past, uh, for example, um, in, uh, in President Nixon's case, President Nixon had impeachment proceedings commenced against him because uh, people working for him broke into the headquarters of his political opponents and stole their files. Mm -hmm. And then the president, using his law enforcement power, directed people in federal law enforcement to cover it up. That's deeply corrupt. And it's it's the kind of thing that a democratic system small-D democratic system, right, a system with democratic elections, can't tolerate. You can't have the people in power uh, using their law enforcement power to raid the people who are running against them in elections and then cover it up. It's not treason. The president's political enemies weren't a foreign... He wasn't working for a foreign country. It's not bribery. The president wasn't taking money from anyone or asking for favors for anyone. But it was certainly a high crime and misdemeanor. It was behavior that is fundamentally contrary to how this system is supposed to work. And um, the House of Representatives in Nixon's case also vote, well, also proposed, um, they didn't actually do it in the end because the president just resigned when he saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also proposed an article of impeachment on obstruction of justice, that is to say on the president's efforts to prevent the investigation itself from going forward. Right? That, too, uh, was presented as an impeachable offense. In the present situation, what the president has done is to use the power of his office in foreign affairs to contravene what Congress has decided the national security interests of the United States required, right? Because remember, Ukraine is our ally. Ukraine is a frontline allied state between Russia, which is an adversary to the United States, and Western Europe, which is composed of American allies. And the defense of the Ukraine is understood to be a bulwark against Russian influence into Western Europe. That's why Congress has approved military aid to Ukraine, and Ukraine needs it. By holding that aid hostage to his own effort to make his domestic political enemies look bad, the president was using his foreign affairs power in a corrupt way against the national interests of the United States as determined by Congress. Mm -hmm. And worst of all, that, that... that would be impeachable already. Worse yet, the attempt, as in Nixon's case, is to corrupt the system of elections. It's to use the president's power in a corrupt way to distort how the election for the president's own re-election will go. That's particularly dangerous and has to be impeachable because elections are the system's normal mechanism for correcting bad behavior by office holders, right? How, how are we supposed to deal with bad behavior by office holders in this country? We're supposed to vote them out. The problem is, what happens when the bad behavior by the office holder is something that renders the mechanism of election unreliable as a way to police their behavior, right? So, so take, the, take the simple case. Um, the office holder is stuffing the ballot box. 
you can't say, look, that seems like bad behavior, but we're going to let the people decide in an election whether he should be removed for it. No, you can't do that. The whole point is he stuffed the ballot box. Right? You can't trust the election to do that. The founders at the Constitutional Convention, James Madison in particular, talked about the need to be able to replace a president between elections precisely because there could be circumstances where the election is no longer an adequate check. And that's a situation like the one we have now, and a further reason why the president's behavior is especially impeachable. The, the, the other thing that I think is worth noting about what you mentioned is the, the, the shifting defenses, um, no, he didn't, uh, maybe he didn't, yes, he did, but it's okay. Um, it, it, it reminds me a lot, actually, if, 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 um, if you remember the movie A Few Good Men. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, the, the idea is that um, Jack Nicholson plays a Marine colonel who's accused right, of doing something that breaks the rules, and for a long time there's stonewalling. But in the end, his defense is, of course I did that. Right? I wanted to do that. That's how I do things. That's really what's going on here. Um, in the, this is the president's, this is the way this president operates. He acts in his own interests. He's not confined by rules. He tells lies all the time. And we've gotten to a point where the people defending him have come to the same point. Um, they will not be confined by truth in the way that the person they're protecting is not confined by truth. And in the end, right, they're also just willing to say, uh, yes, we did it, because they've lost sight of the fact that the behavior is itself not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are getting ready to rejoin the impeachment hearings in the House of Representatives today. The House Judiciary Committee, uh, Committee is going to interview law professors and constitutional experts about what the legal grounds for impeachment look like. You can join us for NPR's live coverage of hearings this morning at 10 here on WDET. Right now, my guest is Richard Primus, a constitutional law professor and historian at the University of Michigan Law School. We are talking about what impeachment is and what it is not. What does the Constitution say about it? What does the political process have to say about what impeachment is and what it is not? We want to hear from you as well. Are you convinced at this point that President Trump has done something that warrants impeachment? Tell us why or why not? When do you think you made up your mind on that question? Was it before all of this started or was it during the testimony that we've heard over the last few weeks from people who were involved with this phone call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine. Uh, what do you think uh, the president would need to do to uh, convince, or what do you think Democrats would need to do to convince enough Republicans in the Senate that the president should be removed from office? What's the threshold in your mind? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Richard, before we get to listeners, um, I, I want you to talk a little about whether, and this is a political question, not a constitutional one, 
have Democrats made it harder for people to reach uh, a reasoned conclusion about the facts that we have in front of us by talking as long as they did about impeachment before. If we go back to last year, the the, the president's uh, midterm year uh, in, in office, we were talking about impeachment. If we go back to 2017, the very first year he was in office, there was a lot of talk about impeachment. And I think one of the things that I've heard from some Republicans is, well, this is just the latest thing that they think they can get to, against this president to overturn the results of the election. Uh, did Democrats make a mistake by invoking this word too early? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think there are two really important things to keep in mind here. Um, the first is about the idea that impeachment overturns an election. Um, that's a canard. That's the thing that people say that makes no sense. If the president were to be impeached and removed, it's not like Hillary Clinton becomes president. <laughs> Right. Um, it's not like all the changes that President Trump has pushed through the tax code go away. Um, it's not like all the effects on the environment that have come about as a result of changes in the environmental regulations get reversed. It's not like all the judges that President Trump has appointed you know, go away and we get the judges that Hillary Clinton would have appointed. So all that happens is Mike Pence becomes president. Um, that's, so it's not in any way about reversing an election. Mm-hmm. I think to the, the other thing is, I think part of what is weird about the present circumstance is that we think of impeachment as something that would be a hard question. Right? Presidents don't usually behave impeachably. Presidents, whether you voted for them or not, are usually honorable patriots trying to do the right thing. Um, and that means that if something impeachable happens, uh, it, it's going to be unusual it's probably it's not going to be a pervasive feature of the administration. It pro- might be something that people could argue about. Um, there have, as far as I can think of, there's probably really only been one time in history that it's really clear to me that a president behaved impeachably, and that, and that was Nixon's case. You can make arguments about other things, but, but that's about all. Part of what's disorienting about the Trump administration is he is impeachable for so many separate reasons. And that was true from the very beginning. So, for example, the president is financially corrupt. The president, from the very beginning, has been using his office to enrich himself personally. Right? He hasn't divested from his assets in the way that other presidents have. His presidency drives business to his hotels and those sorts of things. Th- that is unconstitutional under the Emoluments Clause, especially to the extent that it's about um, money driven by the representatives of foreign governments. Um, that would be a basis for impeachment all by itself. And that was going on from the very beginning. It seems that you know, on a regular basis, the president does something that ought to be impeachable. And the reason that people who would, well, in any presidency in the modern times, something like 15 to 20 percent of the public always thinks the president is impeachable. That's just noise, right? But responsible people don't usually say that. The reason that responsible people have talked about this president is impeachable from the beginning is that this president is not 
unlike other presidents. This president doesn't show respect for the rules and norms that other presidents of both parties have shown respect for, which means he's done many different things that have been impeachable from the beginning. And anyone who's answering the question in a clear-eyed way from the beginning about whether the president's behavior is behavior that should get a president impeached would have said yes. It didn't happen in the beginning because, for one thing, the House of Representatives, which has to initiate the process, was controlled by the president's own party. And it's very, very difficult to get a political party to impeach a president of its own party, no matter how badly the president behaves. But it's not that Democrats um, reached for impeachment too early. The president was impeachable in plain sight for a long time. And the present uh, process, which got going because of the Ukraine problem, was simply the biggest, most dangerous thing that finally pushed them over the edge from saying, look, the president is impeachable, but we're not sure it's worth it, to saying, yeah, we really can't justify not proceeding on an impeachment yeah, here. we have to step in. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Richard Primus about what impeachment is and what impeachment isn't, and whether President Donald Trump has reached that threshold according to the Constitution. And we are going to get to your calls. Daniel in Detroit, James in Shelby Township, Abdul in Fraser, David in Southfield. We will hear from you next as well. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Thirty-one minutes before the House Judiciary Committee will interview law professors and constitutional experts about the legal grounds for impeachment. You can join us for NPR's live coverage of those hearings this morning at 10 here on WDET. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you have joined. I've got Richard Primus, a constitutional law professor and historian at the University of Michigan Law School, with us today to talk about that question of what is impeachable, what should be impeachable uh, under the Constitution and according to the political process. Of course, we want to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, I want to read a couple of Twitter comments before we get to listeners on the phones. Uh, Emmy on Twitter says, of course, the president has met that minimum. Uh, Bare minimum here is obstruction. Cohen's co-conspirator, aka individual number one, is another. Getting assistance from Russia in 2016 is another. Trying to get Ukraine and China to interfere in 2020 is another. Emoluments is another. Emmy has a long list of things she thinks the president has done that would merit impeachment. Todd on Twitter says, uh, I believe the president became impeachable when he stood on the South Lawn and requested China to look into the Bidens. Now more and more information has come forward. I truly feel he needs to be impeached at this point. Rhonda on Twitter says, I was convinced when he admitted to it on television. That belief was solidified by the hearings. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Daniel. Daniel in Detroit. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm really interested in the Hunter Biden uh, aspect of this whole thing that's going on. Has there been an investigation? Hunter Biden went on national television 
and said that if his pro- his father is elected president, that he will not behave like this anymore. Hmm. So he thought it was wrong. Maybe it's not legally wrong, but what happened there? Now, I'm not a Trump supporter. I wouldn't vote for the man ever. But I'm very interested to find out, is there a backstory here? And the other, I got another point here, is the steadfast position from the Republican Party, I think, is fueled by the campaign contributions that are coming into their pockets and into their bank accounts. You know, the, the, the party that's in power that, that, can, that can deliver favors is going to receive more money. Some of these people that are speaking out uh, for Donald Trump on his behalf from the Republican Party were never Trumpers, mm. were people that said nasty things about him before. Now they're standing up saying he's a great guy and he did nothing wrong. Right. It's because of the money, yeah. the money in politics. Until we get that out of Washington... We're going to continue to have these bitter, partisan fights, and yeah. we really need to work towards that. Daniel, I, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Let's go to David in Southfield, who has a kind of similar point. David, go ahead. My concern is that uh, there's a problem that we're judging motives, and I'm not so sure how clear that is in determining right or wrong here, because... Uh, there's the motive of the president and doing what he did, and then there's the motive of the Congress for the impeachment. The motive of the president in terms of investigating may have been admirable in order to find corruption. On the other hand, the motive of the of the Congress might be admirable to find something wrong with the president. On the other hand, there may be something not good about the president motivating uh, the president's motives to find something wrong in order to get some benefit politically, but then there's also something wrong, uh, you know, possibly when we look at the Congress in terms of its political reasons um, for actually pursuing this, which they have a record of uh, for a long time, ever since the man got into office. So there's motives uh, becomes grounds for impeachment, and determining exactly what the motive is is dependent on how well one can talk. Yeah. Uh, and uh, David, I appreciate uh, your perspective as well. Uh, Richard, I want you to respond to what both yeah. callers are talking about, which is kind of a both sides-ism, right? Uh, Trump may be wrong, but uh, Democrats are doing things that don't make sense well, either. Yes and, no. yes, and Hunter Biden is in, you know, yes, uh, wrapped up in it. So there's no political party that I've ever been aware of, all of whose members always do the right thing all the time. Right, that that people are human. People make people do things they shouldn't. Um, here, let's let's start with the the point about motive because it's important. Mm-hmm. It is surely true that a lot of what is at issue in the impeachment proceedings is about the president's motive. Law does that all the time. Um, if you're prosecuted for bribery, the prosecutor is going to try to prove to the jury something about what your motive was, what you intended to do. Right? This is true for most things that the law might try to prove about someone criminally. Um, it's tr- it is certainly true here, but it is not unusual to have to prove a motive. It's just normal. It's also um, often not obscure. There are times when it's hard to know what a person's motive is. There are times when it's really not as a matter of common sense to know what a person's motive is. Um, in the present case, uh, 
there's really a whole lot of evidence um, about the president's motives. Um, one could say uh, that it is possible. It, it, it's always important to distinguish between saying it is possible that someone could have done this for a permissible motive and saying in this case it is plausible to think that the person did it for a permissible motive. So, yes, if you didn't know anything in particular about Ukraine and its particular history of corruption, and all you knew was that the President of the United States wanted someone to look into corruption in Ukraine, you'd say, sure, it's possible that he's doing that because he's interested in rooting out corruption. But if you understood the particulars of the Ukraine situation and understood who the corruption was actually practiced by, and that the president is intervening on behalf of those people and against the people who were fighting the corruption, and that of all the countries in the world where corruption is a problem, the president has been interested only in this one and only where it might make his political rival look bad, mm -hmm. you have to think, mm, you kind of have to be a little naive to imagine that, that the president here is not interested in the self-serving end and is really just interested in a general way in corruption. So, and this, I think, in some ways goes to your, your both sidesism concern. This is about motive has become something that people say when they want to say, well, who knows really who's <laughs> right. right and who's wrong here, <laughs> right? But sometimes, right, in fact, every day, we know what people's motives are around us. And sometimes we know that people have behaved badly. Part of what's so confusing about the Trump era to a lot of people is the president behaves badly, openly, all the time. And it's hard to get our heads around that fact, right? So we try to come up with reasons why maybe it isn't actually so bad. But really, right, he's just behaving badly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks uh, very much for those calls and those those points. I think those are really interesting reactions to the things that we're seeing. Uh, let's go to James in Shelby Township. James, welcome yeah, to the show. I absolutely, absolutely do not believe uh, Donald Trump is guilty and uh, it is, is not impeachable. I heard what your speaker said. You said it's about his money. Well, you know, Hillary and Bill used their their positions to, to get millions in their in their um, in their coffers because she was the Secretary of State. Um, the President Trump does not take a salary, um, which is like five hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, I, I think it's before he even got got elected. Before he ever got, um, he, he they were the Democrats were wanting to impeach him. Look at the day after he got elected and the, um, the, uh, the, all those women out there and all the things that they said about him. I think it's terrible. He's been treated and misabused, abused, and I, I think it's time for these people to take their lunch and go home. So, so James, I'm, I'm curious. The president says he did this. That, that to you doesn't matter? Well, you know, if there was corruption and he says we need to investigate corruption, uh, and it is in, in his um, his responsibility as president and dispersing um, uh, federal aid uh, it, federal aid the way he does. It, he should be looking into corruption. 
Okay. I, I appreciate your perspective, James. I really uh, am glad you called. Uh, Richard, we've only got about a minute and a half left, but, but respond to what James is saying. Sure. Well, I would encourage James and anyone else, really, you know, not to take my word for anything, but to read the record um, and to listen to the testimony. Um, the testimony that was given in front of the uh, House committee is available. Um, one really good source is something called the Lawfare Podcast, which strips out all of the your posturing and theatrics and just delivers the substance of the questions and answers in a really good way. Um, I've been listening to it at the gym. Uh, I think if you really want to inform yourself, you should listen to the testimony directly. Mm-hmm. You can read the House report that's out yesterday. It's available on the Internet. Right? And you know, just try to read and listen with an open mind, and come to the conclusions that you will come to. Um, we will, we as a country, will come through all of this best if people think clearly about the facts and look at the facts in the record. And that's what I would encourage people to do. Okay. Richard Primus, constitutional law professor and historian at the University of Michigan Law School. It is always really great to have you with us for these conversations. Thanks for stopping by. Happy to be here. Yeah. Up next, we're going to have a conversation about the big problem of college dropouts and what one author is calling a scandal. Stay with us on Detroit Today.